Deep pattern, downfield, touchdown Miami. What a throw, Devontae Parker. Holy smokes, what a drive. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? It is Friday. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, it is Friday, which means Fan Friday and a Football Friday, and we have a fun one for y'all today. Punting on college picks this week because we have a very special guest, Adam Butler, Dolphins defensive tackle, will be joining us to talk about his weekend coming up and the Social Impact Initiative. But everything else from our Friday show is going to be in here. NFL picks, we need to bounce back after a rough week last week. The mailbag, your questions, and my favorite part of the week every single week here on the Drive Time Podcast, my chat with John Kinjemi from the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex. This is... The Drive Time Podcast. Let's get right into my first guest today, John Kinjemi. Well, welcome back in, John. Good to talk to you again. Today, we're talking about a game back here across the street at Hard Rock Stadium. And I wanted to first start with your opinion of how the Dolphins attacked that Bills offense on the defensive side. And more importantly, can they replicate that success they had through roughly two and a half quarters? Can they do that for a full 60 minutes here on Sunday, do you think? I think they can, Travis, to be quite honest with you. If they did it against one of the most explosive offenses for 30 minutes, you would think the Texans aren't going to pose that much of a threat, especially at quarterback, uh, you know, skill positions, offensive line. I think they can. And I think when you get consistent pressure matched with better coverage in the secondary, and that's what you got really for the, you know, the first 30 minutes of the football game, and then even in uh, you know, a three and out into the, the third quarter. You had that type of production. You frustrated a quarterback that doesn't get frustrated a whole lot in yeah. Josh Allen, and you held him to under 100 yards in the first half. They were putrid on third down. Uh, they couldn't stay on the field. And I, I really like the way that guys stepped up on that side of the football. So, yes, I, I think that can happen uh, on Sunday, and it needs to happen. It needs to happen with a little bit more consistency. I don't know if you're going to be able to throw a shutout and hold – you know, the Bills again to three points, or you're hoping to hold the Texans, obviously, to three points or under in the first half if you can. But if they can get close to that, they can they can have a chance. Now, complimentary football, it wasn't there. You need the other end to, to really pick up the slack when your defense is playing like that. You miss a, a chip shot field goal. You get zero points on the last drive of the first half before halftime. It happened again. You know, kind of two games in a row, the same scenario with a turnover not getting points. So the score is 3-3. It could be 9-3 at the worst. It could be 13-3, 17-3 if you're playing really well. So if the defense does that, the offense needs to correspond with some positive play and get some points on the board. And November has kind of been where this Dolphins team the last couple of years has really kind of got things cranking, especially back in 2019, a little bit earlier into October last year. But we've seen this team have more success after the mid- midway point of the season. And on that topic, John, I did a midseason report of sorts earlier this week on the podcast. And the OCD in me is still upset by the fact that we no longer have <laughs> a perfectly symmetrical schedule. I can't do my quarters and half and all that stuff. But I digress. Uh, but through eight games, I was just curious, kind of your you know eight game um, progress report so far. Who are some of your biggest bright spots on this roster, John? 
Well, I'd, I'd have to start with Mike Kosicki. Um, I think Mike has done a, a spectacular job in knowing what his role is and executing his role. I think, you know, if you're going to ask Mike to be an all-around tight end, it's not, not in his game. It's not in his DNA. You know, he'll try hard, but he's a pass-catching tight end. He's a stretch the field. He's a, he's a you know, be a decoy when he needs to. He's a, he's a guy that is a smart tight end, settled down in, in the hole, uh, beat man coverage, make the contested catch. I mean, he ranks third in, in receptions. He's around fourth in yards. He's o- close to 12 yards per catch uh, down the field. So I, I'd start with him on the offensive side. I'd move to Waddle because I think Jalen has done a really good job. Again, what they've asked him to do, he's done really well. I'd like to, I'd like to get one ask. You know, everybody's asking, you know, can we get him down the field? Uh, that, that takes a lot. Because you know, it takes a you know pass protection, it takes a running game, it takes a little play action. But sometimes I think you just need to line up in the first play of the game, call the shot play, send him down the field, and at least threaten somebody to say our fastest guy is going to try to get behind you at some point. So um, I, I think on the offense, I, I kind of mix in there. I, you know, Tua's had a, a solid solid play from what he's been asked to do. He's had some you know big down moments in terms of turnovers at the wrong time but basically he's he's played well uh, I think on the defensive side I, I'd say Wilkins and Sealers have done a really nice job up front they've been solid they've been dependable I think Christian's done a nice job against the run he's been tough to block you, you see his number kind of flashing around on all the highlights when they're running highlights of the defense you see him and I think Javon Holland has done an excellent job in the back end along with Brandon Jones. Uh, I, I think both those young safeties are going to be really good. I've loved the way Holland, his, his speed, you know, his game speed is really good. He's not afraid to mix it up. So uh, that, that's where I'd go with the guys on the team right now. Yeah, hard to argue with those. I'm glad you mentioned Christian Wilkins. Just a little fun side note on Christian Wilkins. One of my favorite parts about Christian, and everyone knows what kind of personality he is, but every time he finishes up media in the press room, which is right next to where I work back here in the podcast studio and some of our other video team and and website manager and photo manager work back here sometimes, every time he gets done, he comes back here and like just gives us some dap and, and gives us some love and asks how we're doing and stuff. And I really appreciate that about him. He's a great guy to be around. It's fun to watch him have the success on the field this year. But back to the game on Sunday, John, you know, the offense struggled to find their footing, like you mentioned earlier. And when they did, it seemed like it was, like you mentioned, too many procedural penalties and mistakes, the turnovers. How do they get back on track this week, John? Well, they need to start executing both, not only physically, but mentally. I think and it may start mentally because a lot of pre-snap mistakes, uh, a lot of missed assignments, a a lot of motion, a lot of guys not knowing when they break the huddle where they're lining up. So a remedy to that could be a little bit more tempo, a little bit more up-tempo offense with Tua and the offense and the the coordinators kind of calling it that way because you eliminate a lot of stuff. You line up and you call play and you run the play. And that eliminates a lot of the pre-snap issues and physical issues as the play is going on because you've got the defense hopefully on their, on their heels because you're moving the football and you're moving it with, with tempo. And that eliminates a lot of the stuff that the defense can show you. A lot of stuff like we talked about over the last couple of weeks, I think if the Dolphins can get to that because they have a quarterback now that knows the offense, knows where he wants to go with the football, the ball's out on time, get to a little bit more tempo, it takes out a little bit of that mental, uh, 
uh, stagnation, I guess, yeah. uh, when you're trying to go motion, you're trying to, you know, fool guys with the skies, you're trying to predict coverage, well, just line up and go because they can only get to one or two uh, coverages anyway when you're going with tempo. So eliminate some of that, those mistakes up front, I think, will help as well. Yeah, one of the things we talked about on the postgame show was, you know, when Sean McVay first got in the league, one of the big things that he did that was, I suppose, pretty innovative at the time was get to the line of scrimmage before the 15-second mark where the, the headset communication cuts off, and then you can kind of be in Jared Goff's ear and communicate to him what you're seeing. Do you think that might have a benefit as well for this offense to find a way to kind of get things picked out before the play clock winds down to those last kind of urgent seconds? I don't think it can hurt. I, I do believe when you have a young quarterback and you want to be able to get in the right situation and, and eliminate something that you can talk about. You know, it's a, it's a one-way conversation, but you're you're getting that information as the quarterback, and then your eyes immediately can go somewhere and go, yeah, I'm taking that, you know, I'm, I'm getting off a of number one now because we don't like it because that's the coverage I'm getting pre-snap. Or it's a, it's a either-or play. It's a, you know, two plays called. I didn't like it. Let's kill that one and get to where we need to go, either right or left with a run or or screen or whatever the play may be. So that could help when you get to the line of scrimmage and, and do that because it all ties in again, Travis, to tempo. You're trying, the reason you're going fast is you're trying to dictate what you see and what you can predict out of the defense. And you already know that you, where you want to go with the football. So if you're at the line of scrimmage and you're, you're at 24 uh, on the play clock or 22 and you're still being able to communicate your quarterback's getting all that information and you can you can actually snap the football that much quicker because you're predicting coverage and you know where you want to go with the football. I want to circle back to that because one of our mailbag questions actually refers to something we covered earlier with Jalen Waddle, but also kind of what you just talked about. So we'll come back to that. We have to get this question for you, John, every single week. Seven straight losses, so we haven't had a chance to see if this came to fruition or not, but the Dolphins will win this game if? <laughs> well, I, I think it goes back to the blueprint they had in the first half against the Bills. If they get that type of production on defense, coupled with some simple execution on offense, I mean, there were some good spots. I mean, two at a Parker was terrific in the first quarter. You just needed to make a field goal. You needed to continue to move the football but when you get there you need to finish you need to finish with some points so I would say if the Dolphins can start fast but finish on offense they're going to win the football game and, and defensively I mean I don't know if it's going to be you know who, who's going to show up at quarterback but if you're going to get David Mills uh, you got to be able to get to him and rattle him and if you're going to get Tyrod Taylor you're going to have to be able to be smart on how you on how you rush the passer, because just like last week when Josh Allen gets uh, some escapability going and he you know stuff breaks down, he's going to beat you with his legs, and he did again for I think the eighth time yeah. in his career. You know he's eight for eight with over you know forty or fifty yards running the football against the Dolphins. You can't let a guy coming back from injury and Tyrod Taylor, who might not be in the flow of everything with just three days of practice. Uh, beat you with his legs you know keep him in the pocket close that that net around him and try to make him execute from the pocket 
under extreme pressure. Yeah, that big 34-yard run I think Allen had on Sunday was, I, I think, his long of the season. And, you know, you talk about the game plan for Davis Mills versus Tyrod Taylor. I can't think of a bigger juxtaposition than those two players as far as what yeah. they can do from a physical skill set. Uh, Davis has been more of a in-the-pocket kind of passer, and Tyrod Taylor's one of the best at extending and making you pay with his legs, which, again, means maybe you have to call less man coverage. So curious to see how Miami has to anticipate that. And uh, let's go ahead and finish that po- or continue that point here with our first mailbag question for you, John. Uh, at Richard, I wrote a lot of numbers because he has about eight numbers behind that name. So <laughs> at Richard, plenty of numbers. He asked, Tyrod Taylor has had a lot of success against Miami. If he starts this game for the, for the Texans, how does Miami stop him? Well, I think they, they really take the game plan from last week and, you know, with, with a lesser team who hasn't executed as well, obviously, as the Bills. I mean, Houston's one and seven on offense, and they've struggled to generate explosive plays. So the only way that they're going to get it is by when things break down. I mean, just take a look at what the Dolphins did a little bit when Jacoby was playing quarterback. You know, things didn't, ball wasn't out on time a lot. But Jacoby's athleticism and his vision and his confidence of being able to move away from pressure, keep his eyes downfield, still have the threat of run, but be able to beat you with the throw, be able to get you out of coverage because you're worried about him breaking contain and getting a first down with his legs. Same thing applies for Tyrod Taylor. I mean, those are the things that you have to worry about when you're facing a mobile quarterback. You have to be able to stay in coverage and and really hold true to your principles. You know, if I'm in man coverage, I can't allow myself to break off. Of, I have to plaster my guy because my back's turned to the quarterback. Yeah. That's somebody else's job, right? That's somebody else's job to tra- track the quarterback down. When you're in zone, maybe you can cheat a little bit. Maybe if you see, you know, that quarterback escaping the pocket, you can allow yourself, you know, some room, some in-between room, and, and put the onus on the quarterback to make the right decision. So those are the things that you have to do defensively. If you're in man coverage with, with Tyrod Taylor, you have to know your back's turned to the, to the pocket. Those guys have a job to do. Let them do their job and don't mask it for them because now you're going you're gonna to expose a big play potentially down the field. Yeah, it's, it's a good thing this Dolphins secondary does have so many versatile guys that can be kind of scheme diverse. And we know they love to play man coverage, and Byron Jones himself has said this is a, a predicated on man defense. But I, I spoke to cornerbacks coach Charles Burks this week, and he said that he thinks Byron Jones is playing at an elite level and, and man coverage, zone coverage against the run, all that fun stuff. So maybe that can be kind of a key there. And just a quick note for you, John, I was looking at the, t- the Texans' targets this year. Brandon Cooks has 69. Their second highest targeted receiver has 24, I think it is. So He's got about three times the targets of the next guy, so that's a guy you want to keep a, keep an eye on. And then back to our, our last point we kind of referred to coming back and circling back to here, this question from at Burcheesy. I've been waiting all season for Waddle to bust a big play. What do the Dolphins need to do to get some explosive plays from him? And, John, I'll kind of add to that because, you know, Lovey Smith is a defensive coordinator over there. He loves him some Tampa, too. He will play that coverage until the cows come home. Is, how, do you, how do you take the top off of that cover, too, and then also, I guess, kind of answer the question there about how do you bust a big play for Waddle here? Well, it's patience, really. Uh, you can't force it, but I'd like to see, I'd like to see this offense – put Waddle on just a, a simple go route when he gets his opportunity, either by motioning outside and, and, and trying to get a matchup that, that is very favorable for him or a double move at some point. I mean, if you're in, if you're in 
two safety coverage, whether it's Tampa two, traditional, just cover two, you're able still to attack the middle of the field. That You threaten by an outside go route and an inside go route, and you put that safety in a bind, or whether it's a, it's a, a, a converted smash route, so you have an outside receiver run a five-yard hitch, the inside receiver to the same side runs a corner, and you complement that with the backside slot attacking the middle, which would be Jalen Waddell. And you put the onus again on that one safety because he can't cover the corner or the middle of the field at the same time. So you, you're able to do a lot of combination stuff and cover two where you can still attack the middle of the field vertically with the speed of Jalen Waddle. You have to call it. You have to have time to throw it. You have to have time to execute it. All those things, yes, I, I understand it, and uh, I'm patient with it, but it's, you know, it's the middle of the season now. You're one and seven. Let's call it and take a shot on it. Because you, you want to be able to threaten those safeties if they're going to be in a heavy amount of cover two. That's just one or two ways to do it. No, that, that's great. I, I couldn't agree more. And hopefully, you know, kind of talking about Mike earlier, maybe his presence in the middle of the field can get one of those safeties to cheat and take away their, their half back there on the deep portion of the field. So, John, appreciate your time today. I had a, um, a golf joke or a statement written here at the end of the podcast talking about how the weather finally cooled down for some great golfing weather. And literally, you jump on the Zoom call here and the rain starts pounding down in the podcast studio. <laughs> it must be a storm out there right now. So I guess no golf this weekend. No, no golf. I, you know, it's threatening for golf. So, you know, you got to be you got to be brave, though. Put on the rain suit if it's not lightning and get out there and, and enjoy the elements, right? Yeah. Embrace the elements. <laughs> I believe it. that's what you do down here. It's not it's not necessarily always paradise. A lot of the time it is, but sometimes you have to bear the elements. So, John, appreciate your time today, my friend. We'll see you on Sunday and hopefully seeing a Dolphins win out there at Hard Rock Stadium. Yeah, that sounds great, Travis. Uh, enjoy being with you and see you on Sunday. And away he goes. John Kinjemi, my favorite part of the podcast every single week here. Great to talk to John about key lime pie, golf, and some Dolphins football. Always gives us a unique perspective about this game and this team because he knows it so well. He knows the game so well. Playing quarterback for so long as he did gives you a great perspective, obviously, on the game. A couple more mailbag questions here from you guys I want to cover before we get to my picks and Adam Butler here on the Friday edition of the Drive Time Podcast. This one comes in from at Extortion on Twitter. He just wants, he said, I just want to get your thoughts on what happened that allowed Beasley to get so loose in the second half. Did we stop pressure packages or maybe coverage change? I know he's a good player, but every third down I screamed cover Beasley. Yeah, that was frustrating, wasn't it? Had a couple of long conversions on third downs, which are just backbreakers and killers in terms of momentum and and the overall morale of a football game and the swings of the ups and downs, right? And so I thought the Dolphins did a good job for most of the game of, of capping him with double teams and, and kind of forcing Allen to go elsewhere against you know Byron Jones or Xavier Howard or Javon Holland, whatever the case may be. And he did get free against a zone look on one of those 15-yard gains, that little hole shot where he kind of caught it going to the turf. He also did some work on single coverage, so that was, you know, he's, he's a tough cover in that regard in the short to intermediate areas. And then there was one play, a third and 14 conversion, I think it was, where he had a double, where he had underneath coverage from, I think it was Nick Needham, and then a safety who I can't remember, it might have been Holland or Brandon Jones, who was kind of capping that thing. And he just ran a great route to kind of sell Needham on the upfield to create space back on the whip route, the jerk route. And that also kind of goes in line with, with pass rush too, right? Because that's a long, slow developing route that he needs, you know, three, four, maybe even five seconds to execute. And they got that. So 
I would say the lack of pressure in the second half was probably the biggest reason for that. And it was very frustrating for me too, Chris. Your name's at Extortion on Twitter, but Chris LaRondo also on Twitter. So that was very frustrating for all of us here involved, and hopefully we can get it fixed this week against the Texans. At Mac underscore D123, have you seen Tua throw deep balls in practice? Can he actually do it? Mac, please don't take this response as an agitation towards you. You asked the question, I'm answering the question. But this one, for me, kind of strikes a nerve. I did a whole segment on this on the, I think, Tuesday podcast. You want to go back and check that out. But first, yes, all, all the damn time in practice. I mean, training camp, it was bombs away. And, you know, we don't watch the entirety of practice besides just the initial portions here that are open to the media. But I, he was literally the most efficient downfield deep thrower in college football history. But like John mentioned there earlier, there's lots of things that go into it, right? You have to call it. You have to have the right defense. You have to have solid protection for a long enough time to get those vertical shots. And then you have to uncover on the back end as well or stack a stack a defensive back. So he's done it. I've seen him do it. He had the long ball to Jakeem Grant last year that couldn't get finished and completed for what could have been a 90-plus yard touchdown in that Bengals game. I just – a lot of his deep ball – success is definitely with anticipation and kind of reading it and throwing those high arcing footballs but that's what a lot of the best deep ball throwers have done for a long time Russell Wilson for instance just chucks that thing up and it kind of arcs down perfectly and and the guy runs under it for a long reception that's the type of deep ball thrower I've seen to uh, not just do in college but execute out here on the practice field and even sometimes in games out there on Sunday so yes he's very capable of throwing the football down the field lots of elements go into that besides just the quarterback but he is a big part of it as well Let's go ahead and get to the NFL picks here for the week and just fly through this real quick. On Thursday, we took the Colts over the Jets. Not sure how it turned out, but hopefully that's a W to kick off our week because we need a big bounce back after a terrible seven and eight week last week that knocked the record down. Got to pull it up here real quick. Knocked the record down on the season to 79 and 43. Yuck. But our week nine picks here, we start with Dolphins over Texans. I like the Browns to beat the Bengals and kind of bounce back. We'll see if Baker Mayfield can kind of come along a little bit further with that labrum slash shoulder injury he has. And if the Bengals can bounce back after a tough loss to the Jets, very intrigued by that game, but give me the Brownies in that one. Cowboys over Broncos, Dak Prescott back. I I just think that he's playing at MVP level and they won a game last week without him. And it kind of shows you how good that offensive firepower is, but also the defense and how far they've come under Dan Quinn. Give me the Falcons over the Saints after a big emotional win last week. I have the Falcons kind of dipping into the Saints in a letdown game, even in a big division rivalry there. Give me the Raiders over the Giants on the East Coast. Give me the Patriots over the Panthers. Buffalo over Jacksonville. Baltimore over Minnesota. I like the Chargers going out east over the Eagles. The Chiefs over the Aaron Rodgers-less Packers. Give me San Francisco over Arizona. The Cardinals are very banged up right now. I want to see Arizona win, but I'm picking the Niners in that game. Rams over Titans and Steelers over the Chicago Bears. My confidence is shook, if I'm being honest. We'll see how these picks go this week. Let's go ahead and finish up this podcast with my next guest, Dolphins defensive tackle Adam Butler. And we have another guest today on the Drive Time Podcast, Dolphins defensive tackle Adam Butler. Adam, what's up, man? Nothing much. How you doing? I'm good. It's good to see you in here. And, you know, maybe you can answer a question that I've had for all the players that come up here for media. You know, the AC works really good up here. I was always curious for you guys if it's a shock to the system when you come off that scorching hot practice field and come in here for media availability. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's definitely. But it's it's a breath of fresh air, you know, because – we go out there and we grind as hard as we can, you know, so 
our bodies naturally heated up, but when we come in, yeah, it's, it's definitely freezing. Sometimes I go out on the balcony in my sweatshirt with a hot coffee and just kind of warm back up because it's so cold back here. But right, yeah, it's very cold. But I appreciate it, though. It's better than being hot. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I had to get that question for you, but that's not what you're here for today. I'm glad you could join me because I, I understand you have a, a very special guest coming to town this weekend. Can you tell us about that a little bit? I do, I do. Um, uh, his name is um, Michael. And um, Michael... Um, was on how I discovered Michael was on a um, a TikTok video that someone had reposted on Instagram. I was just casually scrolling on my phone and saw this video of Michael. Um, and uh, I guess some of his friends were recording him, asking him a, a complicated but simple math question. Math question. Um, and, you know, he paused for a minute and he got the math question right. And his friends went crazy, you know, like they were hyping him up because, I mean, it was simple, but it was it was like, you know, a couple thousand plus a couple thousand, you know, or a couple thousand times a couple hundred or whatever it was. And, you know, it's like a normal person wouldn't necessarily get it. Right. And like I said, it's a very simple thing. But when I thought about it in depth, I said, you know what, a, a lot of children out here, um, struggle in school and in particular I think the most difficult subject for kids worldwide is math and when I looked at that video and I saw how excited those those guys got in the video I thought about kids around the world that do struggle with math you know and how they felt watching that video you know kids nowadays I mean they're all over TikTok they're all over Instagram I can't imagine you know a, a, a great amount of kids not seeing uh, that video, because that video definitely went viral and it was very popular. Um, and so when I looked at it and I said, you know what, like, this is a really good thing. Because, you know, you don't really see, um, well, I don't really see a lot of people, especially um, in, in the black community in particular, you know, promoting, um, you know, math, like specifically math. I do see other people, you know, promoting the importance of education and things like that. Um, but when I thought about it, I said, you know what, he's doing a good thing, you know, and I want to want to support him. I want to let him know that I encourage him to continue with his education. Uh, and I want other kids around the world uh, to see that it's education is important and it's 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 OK to be smart. And it's a good thing to be smart and you should take pride in it. Especially on that platform, right? Because usually it's it's just dancing, from what I know of it. And I'm exactly. Sound really they cool just here. like kids make those uh, TikTok dance videos, and you know that's normally it. But like I said, when I saw that, like it was it was just deeper than just the simple math question for me. Well, yeah. Well, to have to have that reach and to put something that's actually you know important and instructive to society out there, yeah, that's awesome. And then what you're going to do this weekend is only going to help magnify that even more. So I think it's I think it's absolutely awesome. So you guys didn't have any personal or a prior relationship prior to that, no personal connection between no. you and Mike. No, I had no idea. I had no idea who he was. What was that reaction like when you reached out to him and he got to talk to you or, or whoever you spoke to? I mean, uh, well, I. I made a comment um, in the comment se comment section, um, vowing to support him, you know, in his education. And his mother reached out to me, um, and when she reached out to me, you know, I started to ask her about um, Michael, and um, 
and she said he's he's now in he's in college currently. Um, so um, I got with the Dolphins organization, and we came together, and we decided to invite him down, and uh, you know, show him a good time, and, and reward him and his family for um, pushing great things out in the, to the community like that. Absolutely, and perfect segue into my next question for you. What do you have planned for him this weekend? Um, you know, just a little little lunch, you know, get to know him a little better personally, uh, you know, and talk about his goals and his futures, you know, and I've got a few surprises for him. Do we need to test you real quick? Like 37 times 28, what do you got? No chance. No <laughs> chance. No <laughs> chance. And that's why, that's why I was so, like, in shock about the video because it's like, like, even that question is very simple. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not like I have to do, like, PEMDAS or, like, algebra or anything like that like it's just simple multiplication you know but um but the question that he was asked was probably a little bit harder than that and he got it like exactly right now some people in the comments saying it might have been staged it might not have but but that really didn't matter to me it was just the fact that that kind of educational content was being put out and encouraged into the community that's that's what what really touched me yeah, mission accomplished, right? My my, my right. wife is a fifth grade math teacher, so she'll be happy to see that as well. So there awesome, awesome stuff, Adam. I don't got anything else for you, but good on you, man. He'll never forget this weekend, and it's awesome for you to use your platform to make that happen. Good luck Sunday, Adam, and we'll talk to you soon, all right, man? All right, thank you. Appreciate it. And away he goes. Really cool cause here to get on the Drive Time podcast. Heard about that. We had to get him on and kind of spread the message there because a lot of cool things this Dolphins team does that you don't see behind the scenes, and this is definitely one of them. So I wanted to give Adam a chance to kind of spread the word for Sunday here against the Texans. His name is Aaron Michael Freeman. You heard him refer to Adam refer to him as Michael, but Aaron Freeman's his name. So go check him out on Instagram if you can find him and find that viral video and or TikTok, I should say. I told Adam I'm an old guy. Like, I, I yeah, it's, uh, I'm struggling there with a the snap face and the face chat, whatever it's called. So. <laughs> there you have it. Uh, and that's going to be my time on the podcast today, guys. Do not forget to check out the Saturday event at Bow Campers. We're doing our live Instagram show, myself, Seth, and OJ, from Bow Campers on Saturday. It's the fan club meetup at Fort Lauderdale Bow Campers. All the fan clubs from, I guess, around the country are going to be down here to to gather at Saturday at Bow Campers and then go to the game on Sunday against the Houston Texans. We'll have a live show there for you guys from Bow Campers. I've got some friends in town. My wife's going to be with me there. So come by, say what's up, meet us all, and we'll have a good time together on Saturday night at Bow Campers in Fort Lauderdale. As for today's podcast, that is going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank podcast. The Sean Smith episode was fantastic. You don't want to miss that. Check out the YouTube channel for all the media availabilities. Busy week again with players and coaches talking to media. And, of course, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up, Caroline. Daddy's coming home. We're going to the Heat game tonight. Let's go Heat. Take down the Celtics. We'll talk to you guys on Monday.